Yeah. Okay. We are in Nehemiah chapter 11, and we'll be starting with verse 7 today. So let's, let's open with prayer. So. Father God, as we go through this passage of, of your word, um, there's lots of names, lots of names of people, names of little towns and cities, and, and it's the kind of stuff that a lot of times we just skip over. But um, we know it's your word, and, and you have these things here for uh, your purposes. I do pray that as we go through this, that you'll help us to uh, focus on the things that we uh, can get out of this passage and the things that are interesting to us and applicable to us. We just pray that you really bless our time now this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. It's not very loud. Okay. Okay, that's better now. You can, yeah, I can, I can hear it myself when I. Okay. Okay, so last week uh, we finished up chapter ten. If you remember, chapter ten is uh, the covenant that the Jews made and signed it, saying basically that you know we promise that we're going to do all these things uh, that the Word of God tells us that we're supposed to do. And the last part that we saw uh, last week was taking tithes. They were going to collect the tithes because that's what's where the Levites got their support from. The tithes went to support the Levites. And then the Levites, in turn, gave a tenth of, their tithe, of what they collected to the priests. And, uh, and so this provided for the worship service uh, and the temple and all those connected with the, with the service. And then uh, chapter 11 is a change of subject. It goes back to dealing with the city of Jerusalem. They had built the wall around the city, but very few people lived in the city. It was a big, empty city. And this takes us all the way back to uh, um, the end of, or the beginning of chapter 7, where it says you know, that the city was empty, they needed to do something about it, so... In chapter 7, we had another list of names. They went and they took a census. And that uh, picks up again in verse, um, the first verses of chapter 11, where they use this list of names, and by lot, they pick one out of every ten families who lived in Judea to come and live in the city of Jerusalem. So they took it basically a tithe of the people to come and live in the city. And we saw that last week, and then we started looking at a list of all the people who actually were living in Jerusalem. And so that's where we're at now, is who's, basically who lives where. We'll have a list of people who live in Jerusalem, and then we'll have a list of the people who don't in the cities they live in. So... Um, did the people chosen feel it was a blessing or repentance? Um, it doesn't really tell us. It says that the other people blessed those who lived in Jer- who volunteered to go to Jerusalem. 
So whether those are the ones who went willfully uh, when they were chosen or if there were others who, in addition to those who were chosen, that went to live in Jerusalem. Um, so we've started in uh, last week in, uh, we went over verses 4 through 6, and this talks about the, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Those were the primarily the, the, the tribes that had come back from, um, from Babylon and who were inhabiting the land. There were people from the other ten tribes, but mainly Benjamin and Judah. And so uh, we looked at the names of those leaders of the tribes of Judah in 4 through 6. And this morning we're starting in verses 7 through 9 in chapter 11. Um, now it says, now these are the sons of Benjamin. And then it just, it gives us a list of them. Uh, basically, uh, uh, names it. Uh, I guess we're going to kind of skip over. It says there were 928 from the uh, tribe of Benjamin here. There were from Judah 468, less than half as many. So, it says a man, right? so would that be family units? Or that be, would these, a family have more than one man? How would that these be? would probably be the heads of the families, is, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. <coughs> A lot of times when they did take a census, they counted those who were 20 years of age and older because they were eligible to be in the army. So that may be what we're looking at here. So some of those could still be part of the, considered part of the family? Yeah. Or when they get to be 20, then they're considered a, their own family or something. So, um, But there's not a lot of anything uh, particularly interesting in these, these three verses. But... So we've got the names of the families of Judah, the names of the families of Benjamin. Um, and then going on verses 10 through 14, it gives us the names of the priests who lived in Jerusalem. And they're divided into three different groups here. So the first ones, uh, first group is in verse 10 through the first part of verse 12. So it says, from the priests, and then Jedidiah, son of Joachim, and and then gives some names. Um, this is, and their kinsmen who performed the work of the temple, 822. So we have uh, in this, we have a, a man in verse 11, Sariah, uh, gives his genealogy, and he's called the leader of the house of God. Now, some of the commentaries say, well, that means he's the um, high priest. However, you know, later we'll see a list of the high priests, and he's not one of them. So he's probably the supervisor of the group of people who took care of the temple. Uh, and then we'll look uh, actually at the end of um, verse, uh, where are we again? Verse 12 the first part, it says, and their kinsmen who performed the work of the temple. So those are the people he supervised. And so these are priests who took care of the things 
where they had to go inside the temple. If you remember, only the priests were allowed in the temple. The Levites could not go inside. So this is a group who took care of the housekeeping, every you know, setting out the, the bread, you know, all, all the little things that had to be taken care of inside the temple. It says there were 822 in that group. Okay, and then um, the second group is in the second half of verse 12 and the first half of 13. And so this just lists uh, a man named uh, uh, Adadiah. It gives his genealogy and his kinsmen. Uh, and there's nothing in particular here that stands out, but there's 242 in this second group. And in the third group, we've got uh, Amashai, and it gives his genealogy and his kinsmen. Now, uh, verse 14 says they're brothers, and it says valiant warriors, and that talks about their overseer was Zabdiel. So they're either called valiant warriors or able men, and they have a chief officer over, or an overseer. And these are all military terms. So it's thought that this group were the, the priests who actually would provide security within the temple. They were like a police force within the temple itself. It says there's 128 of them. So when you add all these three groups together, uh, you get 1,192, so almost 1,200 priests uh, who are living in Jerusalem. So going on to the next group, um, verses 15 through 18, we have Levites. So it says, now from the Levites, we have Shemaiah, and then it goes on with uh, listing the others. Um, and this group has, as it says in verse 18, all the Levites in the holy city were 284. So this is a rather small number compared to the priests, because there were almost 1,200 priests. And if you remember when we were going through the book of Ezra, way back in chapter 2, it, it gave us the list of all those who uh, came originally out of Babylon uh, in, in uh, five. Uh, 38 B.C., and there was about 4,300 priests and 200 Levites. So the priests far outnumbered the Levites in the original return of the captives to Jerusalem. And then about 130 years later, remember, Ezra got a group together to return to Jerusalem. And he count, went through and took a head count of everybody, and how many Levites did he have? Zero. There were no Levites, so he had to send a delegation to try to recruit some Levites, and they've got 38. So one of the things we see all through this period is that is there's not a lot of enthusiasm on the part of the Levites to return to Jerusalem and to return to Judea. And uh, uh, part, I think the, the commentaries suggest that it's because they were not given land as the other tribes were. 
you know, God was their portion. The Levites were to be supported by tithing. The people were poor. They did or did not tithe. And so the Levites would have been impoverished and starving to death. And they knew that, I think. They were far better off staying in Babylon. And, and so, right. Yeah, because we know they, there was quite a bit of wealth in Babylon. Yes. Yeah, they probably were doing a lot better uh, in Babylon than they would have done in Judea. So they did not return. They just did not come. Um, but one of the things this passage does do is it gives us a little bit of insight into how, you know, what their duties were and how they were organized. Um, looking in verse 16, it says, Shabbatai and Josabad from the leaders of the Levites who were in charge of the outside work of the house of God. So we already talked about the priests doing the inside work in the temple. So the Levites took care of the work around the outside. And so the commentary suggested, you know, they took care of, of the wood. You know, we had people bringing wood in uh, certain times of day. They took care of the storerooms, the, the tithes that came in and things. They would put it in the storerooms. They would help with the sacrifices. So they were able on the outside of the temple itself to help with, with putting the sacrifices on the bronze altar. And then in uh, verse 17, we have Mataniah, who... Um, this might be a family name, but it says he's the son of Asaph, who, if you remember right, is a Levite who was appointed as, as a singer by David, wrote many of the Psalms. Um, so this is, these are the singers. Um, and he's called the leader in beginning the thanksgiving at prayer. So he is the worship leader. So among the Levites, they had the singers, they had a worship leader. And then it talks about Bacchiah the second among his brethren. So we have another name who is either his backup or a co-leader. Um, so one of the things we'll see later as we get into chapter 12 is it looks like they had two choirs. And Mataniah would lead the first one, and Bacchiah would lead the second. But we'll get to that in a, a little later. So going into verse 19, also the gatekeepers. A uh, couple names, their brethren who kept watch at the gates were 172. Now these were not the city gates that we're talking about here. Um, Let's go all the way back to Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2. Let's look at verse 42. It says, The sons of the gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom. So here we have gatekeepers mentioned in Ezra chapter 2. Were there any city gates to, te- to watch at this time? No, there wouldn't be any city gates for another 150 years. So these were the gatekeepers of the uh, compound around the temple. 
They were, they were connected to the temple, not to the city. Um, now let's look at, uh, let's go to First Chronicles chapter 9. It talks about gatekeepers here. First Chronicles chapter 9, would someone like to read verses 21 through 24? Zechariah, the son of Meshelamiah, was gatekeeper at the entrance of the tent of meeting. All these who were chosen to be gatekeepers at the thresholds were 212. These were enrolled by genealogy in their villages whom David and Samuel, the seer, appointed in their office of trust. So they and their sons had charge of the gates of the house of the Lord, even the house of the tent, as guards. The gatekeepers were on the four sides, to the east, west, north, and south. Okay, so they even had gatekeepers before they had built a temple. They guarded the, the tabernacle, they guarded the temple when it was built. So... Um, they also guarded the storerooms. You know, they were kind of the ones who kept track of who took what out of the storeroom and did they bring it back when they were done with it type thing. Um, so those are the gatekeepers, uh, 172 of them. Let's, let's look at verse 20 next. And the rest of Israel, of the priests and of the Levites, were in all the cities of Judah each on his own inheritance. So this verse is kind of a reminder that everyone else that we haven't looked at here through the first part of this chapter did not live in Jerusalem. They lived outside the city. They had their own land or homes. And this included some of the priests and some of the Levites. Now at this point, verse 20 is kind of logically is the introduction to verse 25 where it begins to list all these towns where everybody else lived. And so verses 21 through 24 are kind of stuck in there uh, between these verses. And so it's thought by some that uh, verses 21 through 24 was added later. Whether Ezra went back and said, oh, I missed something and stuck these other names in or whether it was a later scribe, but it, it kind of breaks the flow of the passage. Um, I'm thinking with all these names, there's not a real good flow anyways, but <laughs> uh, but it looks like it was inserted. But it, let's, let's look at this section, 21 through 24. It says, But the temple servants were living in Ophel, and Ziha and Gishpa were in charge of the temple servants. So remember, you know, the temple servants are not Jewish. They're not Israelites. These were people who had been captured and who were, uh, had been assigned to work in the temple. The Gibeonites, others, yeah. Um, they live in Ophel. Remember where Ophel is? Okay, it's, uh, it's within, it's a little district within Jerusalem. It's, if you remember... Uh, the city was on a ridge that ran north-south. The temple was up toward the top, the north end. 
down the east side, you had the Kidron Valley. So they lived on the east side, overlooking the Kidron Valley, about halfway up um, the, the length of the city. And they were, so they were just south of the temple, and they were the Best temple servant. Pardon? Best views in town. <laughs> yeah, good view, <laughs> close to work. Um, but that was Ophel. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 3. Back to building the wall. Um, looking at verses 26 and 27. Someone would like to read those verses for us. The temple servants living at Opal made repairs as far as the front of the water gate towards the east and the projecting tower. After them, the Tekoites repaired another section in front of the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Opal. Okay, so here we have it mentioned twice, and it's, you know, it's connected with walls. And if you remember, the water gate was uh, the gate they would go out to go to the spring that was in the bottom of the Kidron Valley. So they overlooked that valley there. So those, you know, the temple servants got left out of the original list, so they got added here at the end. Okay, verses 22 through 24. It says, now the overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, and okay, this gives his names, and it's from the sons of Asaph, who were the singers for the service of the house of God. For there was a commandment from the king concerning them, and a firm regulation for the song leaders day by day. And Pethahiah, the son of Mesh-Ezebel, of the sons of Zerah, the son of Judah, was the king's representative in all matters concerning the people. So this gives us some more information about Levitical singers. And it starts with Uzai, who is a descendant of Asaph. We've already mentioned Asaph. He oversaw some of the singers uh, for the services in the temple. So we saw earlier you know, two song leaders who led worship Uzi was probably responsible for something a little bit different. Uh, he was probably responsible for uh, making sure they remembered the king of Persia and prayed for him. So let's go back to Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6. Someone like to read verses 9 and 10 for us here. And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep for burnt offerings, to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil, as the priests at Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Okay, so this is King Darius. He wanted them to pray for him. Okay, and then going to Ezra chapter 7, someone like to read verse 23. This is King Artaxerxes. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be done with zeal for the house of the God of heaven, so that there will not be wrath against the kingdom of the king and his sons. Again, the Persian kings wanted 
the God of the Jews to look favorably on them. So they, they required uh, prayers on behalf of the king. Um, you know, and, that, and that's what verse 23 probably refers to. There was a commandment from the king concerning them. Firm regulation for the song leaders day by day. So there's it's, um, kind of the speculation is that they were required daily to offer up sacrifices and prayers for the king of Persia. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, and would someone like to read verses 1 through 4 here? First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Yes, also. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, so here Paul is telling us as believers that we should be praying for kings and those in authority, leaders, and 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 part of it is you know so that we're able to worship God, that they don't, um, yeah, peaceful peaceful worship, uh, and it ends this section by saying God desires all men to come to know Him. So pray for their salvation as well. So they had this uh, responsibility to pray for the king. Now at the end of this section, it mentions Pethahiah. It says he was the king's representative, uh, their king's agent. Now in context, it might mean that he was the one who was making sure that the prayers were being made. He was from the tribe of Judah. Uh, so he was not one of the Levites or one of the priests, but he was from a, another tribe. And it might be that he was a, basically the government agent who made sure that they prayed every day for the king. But it also says he was the representative in all matters concerning the people. So he represented the people and the king. So he wanted to include him with all those who are living in Jerusalem. Okay, now, that brings us to verse 25 through 30. We, we saw, you know, back at the beginning of this chapter, um, where Ezra was listing the family members, he separated, he mentioned Judah first, and then he mentioned Benjamin. So again, we, he separates the two tribes. So he starts by presenting Judah, and then he'll present Benjamin later. So first in verses 25 through 30. It says, Now as for the villages with their fields, some of the sons of Judah lived in Kiriath Arba and its towns, in Dibon and its towns, and in Jechabeziel and its villages. And it just lists village, towns and villages from then on. So these are the, the names of the places where uh, those from the tribe of Judah lived. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting because it says villages with their fields and also it names a city. The first one is Kiriath Arba and its towns. 
When we go driving through eastern Washington, you'll see farms and farmsteads. And then over here in another area, another farm and a farmstead. Everyone lives on their farm. What this sounds like is that the people did not live in their, amongst their fields. They actually lived in small villages with the fields around this village. So they would kind of live together, uh, maybe for security purposes. But that trip I made through um, Europe, same thing. People didn't live on the land. They lived there in was, villages. There was little villages, about right right. four to five miles, seven miles sometimes. Uh-huh. And a lot of them just rode their bikes back to the farmland. Right. But then also, through, that was through um, kind of Eastern Europe. Um, there, so there's a, also castles on the hills uh-huh. in the old days. So right. it was like the castle was the protection. Yes. And then they would run to that for if a marauding group went through. Right, right. And it's really <laughs> yeah. You know, I even think like what Willie and Kevin have talked about, the little summer place where they mm-hmm. have vegetable garden. Yulia's family has a mm-hmm. vegetable garden or whatever. And, and um, you know, they might go out there and camp, but it's not where you live all right. the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's the same for sure. Yeah, and, and that, that arrangement is what we have here because you've got... <clears throat> Excuse me, Kiriath Arba is the big city. It'd be the walled city, like you were talking about the castle. The walled city. Around it would be villages. And again, if, if they are invaded, everyone goes into the walled city for protection. Kind of so, is a real illustration of how we've been very blessed and safe in this country. That it's been safe to be out there on your homestead. We, <laughs> Right. You know, the early settlers, um, so. Yeah, the, right. the early settlers maybe had to deal with the Native American marauders. Uh-huh. Well, here's a, this Kiriath Arba. Do they have any idea? That's an odd-sounding name. Mm-hmm. That is the ancient name for the city of Hebron. So this is Hebron. Um, and this, this is kind of an aside... One of the commentaries said uh, Kiriath Arba means city of the four, and then in parentheses it says giants. Now, Kiriath seems to mean city of. We have other Kiriath Jerim, Kiriath Arba, other cities like that. Kind of like Polis, Indianapolis, Minneapolis in in a different language. Um, But it's it kind of means town of the four. And the question is, of town of the four what? So there's speculation there. Um, one thought is that there were maybe four smaller towns that kind of got together and formed a bigger town. Um, Jewish tradition says that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Adam are buried there. The cave of Machpelah that Abraham purchased is in this region. Um, I don't think... Adam is buried there. You know, the flood would have wiped out any trace of... That's it. Yeah. Uh, but that's Jewish tradition. That's a jump still. So let's go back to Joshua chapter 15. Yes, this... I'm sorry, Joe was talking to me. Joshua chapter 15. 
This does not have an awful lot to do with the book of Nehemiah right at the moment, but it was it was interesting. <laughs> After going through all these names and places, I thought, okay, this is this is kind of interesting. Uh, Joshua chapter fifteen. Would someone like to read verses thirteen and fourteen for us? Now he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the sons of Judah, according to the command of the Lord to Joshua, namely, Kiriath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak, that is, Hebron. Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Okay, this is... Caleb was the one who wanted, he was one of, he and Joshua were the two that said, let's go in the land, we can take it. Um, I don't care about the giants, we can whip them. God's on our side. So I think Caleb was waiting 40 years for his chance to go back in and lump the the giants, and so here's his chance. They lived in Hebron. It lists them here. I remember at a conference one time, Steve McClurg spoke out of this passage, and he said... Caleb was waiting for those giants. And, you know, here he would have been older than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And he he said, that's where I'm going. Yeah, Yeah, he went back to beat uh, beat up the giants, I guess. They were this, the sons of Anak are the Anakim. That's one of the names you'll see as you go through the Old Testament that refers to families of giants. There's Rephaim, Rephaim. and a few, there's a few other names I don't remember, Zimzim or something like that, um, Zimzumim in another place. Um, but you look at, you've got Anak and three sons, total of four. Yeah. So is this the city of the four giants? Possibly what it might mean. Let's, in Joshua, let's go back to chapter 14. Someone like to read verses 12 and 15 for us. 12 and 15. Now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. Um, now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the last, and the land had rest from the Lord. Okay, so verse 12 is, that's Caleb asking his, I want to go beat the giants. I've been waiting 40 years. So. A couple of weeks ago, didn't you reference the size of a giant's bed? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Og, king of Bashar. Yeah. Okay, but that was a different place. Og That's was different. Right. Was a big right. Yeah, he was on the east side of the Dead Sea. So, so okay. So that was kind of an interesting side. Now we get to go back to names of towns. <laughs> if I go through these fast enough, we'll be done with them and can get to something else next time. Uh, verses 31 through 35 list the names of the towns where the Benjamites live. Um, and uh, didn't see anything particularly interesting about any of these, so I won't comment on them. Um, 
one of the things that the commentaries noted that some of these cities were a long way away from Jerusalem. So they were not necessarily in the um, province, the Persian province of Judea. And they noted that, so you've got the, uh, you've got cities where there was a large group of Jews living, whether they were in the province or not, are mentioned here. Um, the other thing that mentions is there are cities that ought to be in this list that are not. Back in Nehemiah chapter 3, when they were building a wall, they mentioned people from this city and this city came to help. Jericho is not mentioned. Gibeah, or Gibeon is not mentioned. Mizpah is not mentioned. Those were all cities that sent men to help rebuild the walls. So this is not necessarily a complete list. But it does tell something about how the uh, people were spread out. <clears throat> Finally, verse 12. And from the Levites, some divisions in Judah belonged to Benjamin. Now, your version may something say something different because this, is, this seems to be translated differently in different versions. What verse 36. Oh, chapter 12. Yeah. Verse 36, and from the Levites, some divisions in Judah belong to Benjamin. Um, what the speculation is here is that um, the Levites uh, lived uh, amongst the Jews in their cities, and there was a lot of them in Judah, but there were not very many in, ben in, ben in Benjamin, the cities where the Benjamites lived. So they were reassigned to these other cities because the Levites seem to be the ones who taught the law. And we went back through chapter 8, you know, when they were reading the law, it was the Levites who sat down with the people and explained it to them. So I think this is a way of distributing the teachers of the law throughout the land so that everybody had access to that. Okay, so that finishes up chapter 11, which is mostly... Probably more oral training than written, probably. Then. It was all, yeah. Oral. It would have been, yeah, verbal, verbal training, yeah. So, so this is one of those chapters that's uh, not very interesting. There's a few interesting points in it. You can learn a little bit about how the Levites and the priests were organized and what they did, but uh, just a lot, a lot of names. Um, first half of chapter 12 is, is not too much better, but I'm trying to skip over the names and just pick up the, the more interesting things. So. But we'll, you gave us things to, to think about and apply. Okay. We need to, yeah. uh, we need to pray for our leaders. Mm -hmm. right. Very good reminder. And even the example of Caleb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even though, although I kind of strayed from the path and took a rabbit trail, it was a little more interesting than the main path was at the moment. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the scriptures said to where if you, you know, you have kind of a, a survey, but then you have a study, too. And if you're <laughs> studying and want to know what's in depth, yeah. then that's a deeper channel. Yeah, and if, you, and if you look at the commentaries, they, they talk about every one of these towns, where it is, what it's 
famous you for. And all these names, the lists, yeah. Who's in this list and where else they show up? And it's like, okay. It's a very so academic studies, type study. One of those Benjamin studies is probably where the person was cut up in all those pieces and sent out, sent out everywhere. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always a history behind right. every place. And, uh-huh. you know, people lived there. God, right. you know, had influences through people. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, and I keep, I keep remembering, okay, God put it here. He had a reason for it. In all and scripture, it, it's Yes, it may, it may not be specifically directed at us, but um, one, of, one of the things that I learned from this is uh, your family determined your place in society. If your family were the gatekeepers, you were a gatekeeper. If you were belonged to that group of Levites that had to sing, you had to go sing. You know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'd learn. Yeah, so. If it, blessed genetically. Yeah. yeah. You know, like Marie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can sing. You're musical. Okay. So we did finish a chapter, so we'll start chapter 12 next week. And uh, again, I'm hoping to get through the names before, without taking too much time to do it and get into something a little more interesting. So, Joe, would you like to close in prayer for us? Dear Lord, we do thank you for your word. Though it's it's something that's directing us that even when it seems like it's not a lot there, there are things we can grab it, gather out of it. We thank you for Daryl bringing those things out to our attention. Uh, we thank you for the fact that it's a history lesson. It's a history of what took place with your nation. <coughs> the way you took care of your nation. The way you brought them back out. The way you um, revamped them after they seemed to be totally lost. And we just want to thank you that, that promises are there for us also today. We pray for our nation as we look at the, the revamping that needs to take place here. We pray that um, your hand will be moving through this nation and also. Pray for our leaders that we will uh, that they will seek after you, that they will seek of, um, not on their own importance, but on what you would have them do. And Lord, just pray, Lord, that you will, will bless those that are seeking after you, that you will guide them, direct them, that people will be obedient to your callings. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen.